I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Meta, a podcast about podcasts. My name is Peter Wells. Ursula, tell me about the podcast. Um, let's just jump right in. Uh, what, what is the inspiration and, and why podcasting? Well, during all those weeks that I spent in lockdown, I, um, I did all these little documentaries that I would put out to people and the amount of people who got in touch and, and that watched the little documentaries and just gone. And it was all of them were just little two-minute clips of things that were shitting me that day that mm-hmm. I thought other people were going to do the same thing because we couldn't gig, we couldn't connect with people, you know, like on the outside, if you will. And I had, apart from the seven weeks that New Zealand was in level four lockdown where we couldn't leave our homes, I also spent 11 weeks in either government isolation or in a, you know, like I was either at a facility or stuck in an apartment where I weren't allowed to leave. Mm-hmm. So then I would send out these little clips every single day just to sort of, you know, connect with people and go, we're all in, you know, going through the same thing. And the amount of feedback that people go, that, you know, this is a thing that's helping me get through this or this is I can relate to this and I look forward to this. And people would start sending me stuff that they were going through with their kids or with their spouse or with their colleagues on Zoom or, you know. And I just thought, shit, I'm going to do a, a podcast when this is all over because, of course, I can't do the little clips every single day mm-hmm. once, once I'm back at work, you know, because then I've got shit to do and the kids are going to school and so I decided I'm going to do a podcast where I talk to friends and colleagues and, you know, people I admire about stuff that shits them that we can all relate to. Then we go, yeah, me too. You know, because at the end of the day, that's our shared experience. It's like, it's not the things we love. It's the things that shit us, <laughs> that bring us closer <laughs> together, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and, and so when, when you spent that time in lockdown. Yeah. Tell me, first of all, about the experience of lockdown, the, the government run. So were you in a hotel and where were you? Yeah, well, I my first two weeks in uh, quarantine was in Sydney. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty intense. Like they transport you four at a time on a bus to the hotel and the military check you in. And a military dude brings all your bags to the room, puts you in the room and go, now don't open the door. You don't even get a key to the door. It's very, you know, <laughs> you're like, oh, shit, I am truly trapped here. Like your wow. brain goes, yeah, I'm in quarantine, of course. You know, I can handle it. But once you're there, you're like, oh, shit, I literally cannot leave this this room. and. So that was kind of the first couple of days. I was, I guess, what you would go through if you're in prison, you know. It really changed my whole perception on, you know, like I, whenever I, I used to work in a newspaper too, and then you hear people or, you know, you, you put stories out of people getting house arrest. And you're like, oh, nice one. A, a criminal gets to sit on the ass at home. <laughs> but now yeah. I have a whole new appreciation for house arrest. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be tough. <laughs> you know, like, uh, so I, uh, that was a bit rough. And then, after, but 
but that's when I decided I'm going to share the experience because it was it was full on, but it wasn't the worst thing that I'd gone through. And I got my first COVID test in quarantine, mm-hmm. and I hadn't had one, and I was expecting the absolute worst because uh, you know this is you hear of, about the brain poke and yeah, yeah, and I was like, oh my god, this is going to be so painful, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't that bad at all. And I'd uh, since then I've had fourteen COVID tests total. Uh, so <laughs> well, that's great because uh, uh, friends of mine always tease me um, as as being addicted to the pokes because yeah. I, I was like the first in our group yeah. to get them, and I've only had two. But they oh keep my me. god! But, if I yeah, join your circle of friends, that'll blow their minds. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I say I like I used to really, you know, sort of I would wait when people go like you would go, yeah. So I've had two, and and all your friends would go, whoa, calm down, poke freak, you know, and then. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd sort of wait and I go two. Did you say two? Because I've had fourteen. You know, like that would be my mic drop moment. And mm. then I was on the project one night and I interviewed Sam Neil and he had fifty four, I think, at that stage. Wow. I was like, okay, dude, you can, of you know, of course, not be trusted around a cotton bud anymore. <laughs> I think if he sees an earbud in the house, he just slams it down his own nose. So, which is fair enough. Yeah, it, it, it is quite addictive. <laughs> So, but I'm fascinated, like, what are you allowed to do when you're in that hotel quarantine? Are you allowed to, like, just say, uh, first of all, is the mini bar open? No, there's no mini bar. There's no room service. You get provided your meals. And what they do, they come up and they'll say to you, too, like, when the army dude check me in the room, he said, you'll hear a knock, count to five, and then open the door. So you give the person a chance to get away. So they just dump your bag with your food in. Uh, and you get, you know, three squares a day, and that's it. And then the nurse comes. You get a call. You get heaps of calls. Like, I got so many calls the first three days, and then they kept going, is there anything you need to know? And I, on the third day, after getting calls hourly, I just said, when will these calls stop? This is insane. <laughs> <laughs> and they go, oh, okay, is this too much for you? I go, Yeah. I think this will be too much for a needy person. This is insane. I can't, <laughs> I can't even have a coffee and a, or a shower or anything because then the phone's going to ring. And if you don't answer, they assume you've, you know, broken out of your room. Wow. Well, broken out, slash open the door and walked out. Because there was one day, because they say count to five. So on my 10th or 11th day there, there was a, a loud bang on the door. So you kind of get used to the food knock, you know. You sort of, they try, your, your brain is real trying for the food thing. And then you sit there like a puppy, one, two, three, <laughs> you know. And then I got a loud bang on the door, so I started counting. And when I got to three, they banged again. And I was like, okay, I'll start again, one. <laughs> and then they knocked again. And, and so then someone yelled, open the door. So I went and opened the door, but you have to wear a mask when you open it. So it took me a bit longer because then I had to find my mask because I'm not used to I haven't seen anyone for like 10 days. So I opened the door and somebody had gotten out of their room and they were looking for him. And they go, is there anyone in the room with you? I went, no. And, you know, it's not hard to search. There's just a room. And then they were like, oh, okay. So, but they found the person. They were just wandering up and down the hallway or something. I don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so did you get time to, like, to pop outside and get some exercise? Or? No. Oh, no. Sydney, there's no, you can't leave the room at all. Like, you're there for 14 days, no leaving the room at all. So, Did you at least have a view? No. No, there's no view and there was no sunshine. Oh, God. You know what? It has totally changed my view. How Even because then from, from Sydney I went to Melbourne 
and I arrived in Melbourne as Melbourne went into level four lockdown, right? Yep. And before, whenever I go for a job anywhere, my manager or, you know, someone will send me a list of Airbnbs that I can stay at that's close to wherever I'm filming. And I, I, I don't even open the link. I just go, whatever. As long as it's clean and it's close, you know, I'm, I'm happy with it. Mm-hmm. So I don't even look at the accommodation. So I got this place and it was convenient. And so obviously when I picked it, it was close to the golf course and close to the studio. And then, of course, there was no golf. So I, was, I just took my golf clubs on a trip to Australia. Um, <laughs> but there was also no sunshine in the apartment. And it looked into a car park. So there was no sunshine at all. Not even for two minutes a day could you get a slither of sunshine. There was nothing. Oh, wow. So when you transition from the very locked down, very rigid hotel quarantine into Melbourne's stage four, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm based in Melbourne. And so I, I, I'm still, I feel like I'm still suffering from some kind of post-traumatic stress. Yeah from the lockdown. And, and, I, and I, I keep thinking these days, like, how the fuck is anyone in America sane? Because... Well, but to be fair, they weren't sane going in. That's true. And yeah. I think that really helps. Mm-hmm. I think if you're a bit of a loose unit going into it, this may have just straightened you out. It's like I watched a movie years ago where they tied this guy up in one of those um, things that stretch you out, you know, that they use in the olden days where mm-hmm. they put you on this wooden table and sort of stretches you longer. And the whole movie before that, he talked about his bad back, bad back. And then when he got off that, he goes, oh, actually, that fixed my back. So I think that's how it's going to work. The The pandemic is that table. And for some people, it'll fix them. And for other people, it's going to fuck you up solid. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm in your fuck you up solid camp then. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. What about you? Which, no. which Who are you? I think... I think for me personally, there's been a lot more positives in this than negatives. Like, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's shit that the whole world had to shut down and it's, you know, not great that, you know, I mean, I I lost basically 95% of my income, (laughs) but I got to spend a shit ton of time with my kids. I've never spent this amount of time in New Zealand. I I spent my first Easter in New Zealand last year since I moved here in 2006. Like, that's mind-blowing. So I had a lot of great time. I think a lot of companies realize people can just work from home. You don't need to force them to come into the office. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the way we work, the way we deal with each other, all of that stuff is going to change and has changed. Yeah, but there, there seems to be uh, some kind of, um, you know, snapback these days of, of uh, companies wanting their workers to come back, even though they're more pr- productive at home. Yeah. I, I mean, what, like, how how do you explain to someone that who who is demanding that you come back to the office that no, fuck it, I've spent a year getting shit done, and yeah, you know. yeah. Well, I think, and and this is what I like. Even if we work on a on a TV show, if the majority of us on the show feel like we should go a different direction, and two of the producers feel we shouldn't. The engine is bigger than the the bonnet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so the engine just needs to go. We're not doing it. If yeah. if everyone at the office go, no, this is bullshit, Gary. We're not going to do it. Then Gary can't do shit. <laughs> you know Fuck what you, I mean? Gary. <laughs> this is where we need to stand together and voice our thing. You know, like I think that's the thing. We're so used to just taking stuff. You know, like people. Go, oh, mm. 
boss wants to come back to work, so I guess I'm back at work. Just go, I don't want to. Yeah. You know, and if everyone does it, they, they're not getting rid of the entire office. Then they'll have to rethink. I think, you know, if, if this pandemic has taught us anything, better communication is what's needed here. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I remember like the the first couple of days before Melbourne went into lockdown. I was still working at a university at the time, and and I walked outside at lunchtime when like all of the students were moving between classes, and I took this photo, and it's just like places are shutting down all over the world, and this campus is just packed with students as far as the eye can see. And I took a photo of it and went back to my desk and sent it to my boss and said, "Fuck this! I'm not coming tomorrow." <laughs> Like, yeah. I'm just not, I'm, you know, and it was like four days later, the university was, was locked down and he was saying, look, no, no, you can't like, you've got to keep coming in until we officially locked down. I was like, fuck that. I'm not, no, yeah. no. <laughs> like, I'm, you don't pay me enough. Tell me how many bosses you've had that you haven't at some point thought, fuck what a nightmare. Mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I think that about most I'm people. Forty-three, some... and I can say I've liked one of my bosses. <laughs> but there we go. I rest my case. Like I don't think you're supposed to like your boss. You're supposed to like your mates. You know, mm. it's like my mum when we were growing up. She goes, "I'm not your friend. I'm your mother." Well, that's your boss. It ain't your friend. It's your boss. Yeah. Right. You know what? And I have to say, like, every email, like, because I do, it, um, you know, some TV stuff on this side, um, and on all of them, every email they say, remember, if you don't feel comfortable coming in, that's fine. We will, you know, like, they don't, you don't get punished for it because there are people who go, I'm still not comfortable coming in. Mm. Uh, and, like, we have people either zooming in or into a TV show for crying out loud. Or, you know, production people just working from home going, I'm still not comfortable. And, you know, like our pandemic, the way they've treated it is, is real successful. Like, you know, your chances of getting it is slim. Mm. But some people are still not comfortable. And I, I think what's great here is that they have acknowledged that and said people are going to struggle. You know, this is our world war. This is our big thing that we're going to tell our grandkids about. Yeah. So, you know, uh, and I think they are respecting it here and saying, look, if you're not comfortable, don't. We can make a plan. We'll work around it. And they have so far, which is That's great. really amazing. So so that's that's TV in uh, in Auckland. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But not just in my work. Like even my brother occasionally goes, oh, I'm working from home today, which his job doesn't really, he's a security advisor. So he's pretty hands-on, you know, but he still works from home. You know, so on some days where he goes, hey, I'm not going in today because there's too many people out on the job or whatever. And that's mm-hmm. great. Like they accommodate for that. Yeah. And, and, and as a New Zealander, looking at the way Australia has dealt with the pandemic, what, what is your view as an outsider? Because I've spoken to a lot of Americans who over the last year who have been obviously really envious of the way we, we dealt with the pandemic. But I feel that New Zealand has a, a one extra gold star than we do you've had none of the infighting at least from what i've seen that we've had in terms of like premiers kind of sniping each other and um, oh, no, mate. we've messages. got that we've got exactly that uh, like there's still that and even today we've had some people going oh um there was a government report release on friday when we had all those tsunami warnings and then the leader of the opposition is like why did you release it on the friday now no one saw it and then the guy, go, the minister goes, well, I didn't 
send a tsunami. You know, like, no, there's heaps of infighting, but, you know, it's like you don't know what's going on in someone else's house unless you live there. Yeah, so when, yeah. when I look at Australia, it looks like, oh, yeah, you guys are nailing it too. But the same, you look at us and you go, we're nailing it. But you don't know how they're bickering. <laughs> our mom, and dad, <laughs> mom and dad are fighting in the car the whole time, but we're just looking happy at the party. But I, yeah. think, I think overall, you know, New Zealand and Australia, both of them sort of doing really well considering if you look at the lives lost in other countries, even I look at South Africa and I'm like, holy shit, you know, this thing could have ripped like wildfire through both of these countries and, and you know. What do you put it down to? What do you put it down to? I mean, because, you know, it's it's not just the laws and and the rules that were put in place because, you know, people could have decided not to follow them. Whereas in, you know, at least in my experience, you know, Melbourne took this shit extra seriously. Yeah. You know, it were like Dan didn't have to do, like people always look at it like dictator Dan, um, yeah. you know, locking us all down. That's but it was annoying. like, no. <laughs> we locked ourselves down. Like we we yeah. listened and went, yeah, fuck, all right. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's do that. See, that's what people don't realise. Whether you like your government or not, you trust them. Mm. That's why it worked because even here people go, I'm not a Labour voter but I stayed home. And go, yeah, because you trust your government. You trust that they say you're doing. we're all doing it for, you know, not only our benefit but our community's benefit. Mm. Um, and that's so we stayed at home then you look at countries like south africa where people don't trust their government they didn't stay home and there's so many people infected over there and that's why they get this wicked new wave and you know like it's just mm, going, new variants and all yeah, that it's just going nuts but because people don't listen to the government and if you read any of the comments in the paper you know because i do that that come from there then people are always saying the government's just doing this because they want to steal money and they want to, I'm like, this is a global pandemic. This is not just the ANC running this, you know, flu, because that's mm. basically what, how they're putting it. And I'm like, but so when you look at countries that are doing well, Germany, all those, you go, uh, even if they don't like their governments and if they didn't necessarily, wouldn't vote them in again, they all trust them. Mm. And this is why they're staying at home. Yeah, right. 
Oh, that's great. Yeah, just, you know, you want to meet those people in your career where you go, fuck, man, I know if I need to, I can call you and you give me great advice. Just the fact that you'd, I'd have his number, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. And I spoke to one of the Epps, I, I did Danny Minogue and Jackie O together because when we met on The Masked Singer and I said, I don't know if it's like Stockholm Syndrome because even um, when when I went to Melbourne and we were level four, and we could go out, but I wasn't allowed to go out because we had to stay in a bubble for the masked singer. So I couldn't see other people. I couldn't talk to other people because we had to protect our bubble. So it was only us. I only saw Danny, Jackie, Dave, and Osha. That was my bubble and my makeup lady. But I never even saw the makeup lady without a mask and a shield. So it was really weird. But then we just clicked so hard. And even now we still watch Zoom television shows together and, you know, we're on a WhatsApp group and we chat nearly every day. So I thought I'll take the ladies and we'll have a bit of a yarn. So that was a lot of fun. I had Ronnie Cheng on, um, uh, another one where when I started doing comedy, we sort of started at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just, yeah, a real legend, real down-to-earth guy that's obviously nailing it you know, internationally. and But he's got strong opinions on Australian television, New Zealand television, or, you know, like, and what we should be seeing, what we're not seeing. And it, like he says, he goes, I'm not standing up against these television guys in Australia for my career. He goes, I don't need it. He goes, but it's for the little guys coming through mm. that need to get that break. He goes, and that's the thing. Once you sort of move up a bit in your career, if you don't speak up, it's like I say, the engine is bigger than the bonnet. You need to, you know, put the word out and lay strong foundations, not just for yourself, but for other people coming in after you, you know. So it was just such a treat to talk to him. Julia Morris, who I've been friends with for years, Nazim Hussain, same thing. Um, we actually, during the lockdown, did a thing, who's Zooming who? Because we would Zoom each other and have, like, dinner together and just chat and stuff. And then we decided to start recording our chats and we put it out on Instagram. It was literally just the three of us talking shit in our pajamas. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we thought we did it once a week for recording. But we checked in with each other because we're really close. And especially Nazim and I um, travel together a lot. You know, we tour mm-hmm. together. So we would just check in as mates. And then we thought, we'll set it out. We'll let other people have a look at what we're talking about and see if anyone can relate or, you know find a laugh in there for themselves and it was it became sort of a big thing actually so uh we did that so I did a couple of apps with them yeah just like literally anyone that I I like admire or you know I uh, thought so I'll have a chat with them have you, do you feel that uh, over the course of the lockdown you became a bit more of a you know expert in in digital media and and producing your own stuff like have you felt that you understand the medium a little bit more now that you've you've been uh, you kind of were forced into that those moments of of like figuring out uh, well I mean it, it doesn't sound like you know you specifically thought hey let's have a Instagram story um, yeah. let's ha- let's take over that platform it, it felt like it, it sounds like it was more of a natural thing that just kind of yeah it happened, happened. to me yeah I have I didn't happen to it, it happened to me it's the same as like before before quarantine, so I didn't know about TikTok or anything like it. And then I joined TikTok and boom, I've, I had like 50,000 followers. Of course, now that we're out of lockdown, I haven't posted in ages. So <laughs> <laughs> now I've turned my back on it. I'm like, see you, TikTok. But, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, but not just that, like 
because I had to all of a sudden set up a studio at my house. Like I, I put soundproofing in my dining room and I had all these ring lights and a, I, I had to build this little stand, for, you know, of books for my laptop to sit on. So it's at the uh, premium height and light setting for recording television shows on my laptop that I could then save into external hard drives that I could then get my nephews and the police to go drop off at the TV station, you know, like it was just this whole, and even the grand finale of The Masked Singer, I recorded that via like a Zoom type scenario, a different program, but same setup Mm. in a hotel quarantine in Auckland. I was in Auckland. And I had to borrow a green screen that someone had to go drop off at the army guy at the gate. And then I had to set up all the lights, the soundproofing and everything. And I recorded wow. the the last um, episode in my hotel room. And I had to do my own hair, makeup, tech stuff, the whole thing. And then, of course, because of the time difference, and we filmed really late because there's some tech issues was two people, Osha and Jackie was in Sydney and Dave and Danny was in Melbourne and I was in Auckland. So you can imagine the fuck up around that. Mm. So it's like four o'clock in the morning for me, two o'clock in Australia. And um, we get to the finale and now we have to get the masks off. And I'm in a hotel room in quarantine with headphones and no one can hear that I'm talking to other people screaming at the top of my lungs, take it off, take it off. And then- <laughs> I'm, I'm about six or seven take it off in, and then there's just banging on my door, and it's the army. <laughs> this, is, this army guy, I was like, oh shit. And I just heard, yeah, the producer, you're right. I go, While we're doing this, so there's the unveil, you know, we're screaming, take it off. And before the, the mask can even come off, we still don't know who it is. The producer just has to stop everything. He goes, you're right, what's going on? I go, there's an army guy at my door. I have to go. So I open the door. And I'm in the sequence top with pajama bottoms, hair, makeup, <laughs> fully done. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, what's happening? Are you okay? What's going on inside there? I go, I'm doing a TV show. <laughs> and I had to explain it to him. And he's like, okay. I nearly got tased in the asshole that night. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, I mean, tech-wise, um, I feel like I can go work on any side of the television screens now. That's incredible. That's incredible. And um, it, were there any any shows that you you saw over the last year that you thought, or any comedians that um, really adapted much better than you expected? Like, I've I found it really fa- fascinating to watch how the the late night shows have have kind of evolved in the last year. Is there anything that that's really caught your eye? No, I I looked at all of that and I'm like, I mean, good on you for still going, but nah, uh, I mean. I think a lot of them should should have just sort of you know put a put a pause on it till at the end of this mainly because I don't and it's the same as comedians in America who's still touring. I'm like, why would you even risk it? And most of them have now got COVID or you know is recovering from COVID. So I think valiant effort to carry mm. on with the show. It's all fine and well, but they don't really need it financially. So I don't understand why they're putting people through it. Yeah. And putting putting their staff at risk because it's the same. Like you know, say the Ellen show that went back into studio. It's like all of those people have been working there for years. I don't for a she can afford to just keep paying them their salaries or make sure that there's a backup plan for them. Mm. But I don't understand why they need to be put at risk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so I I just 
really am fascinated by how you kind of put this stuff together. No, well, I was, I was honestly, I was thinking about a podcast and then I think, I mean, like even two years ago, Spotify contacted me and said, do you want to do a podcast? I went, no, I'm not ready for it because I was so super busy. Like a few companies have approached me over the years and I've gone, no, nah, not yet, not yet. And now because I had a whole year off, so, yeah, ACAR, when ACAS came to me and said, because I think the offer was on the table for a while already, then mm. I went, actually, now I've got time. Let's do it. Let's revisit. Well, I, I did speak to Nazim um, about six months ago, and he said that your episode was the funniest thing he's done uh, during lockdown. So there you go. Ah, oh, there we go. He's a good boy, you see. <laughs> he has to say that, or otherwise I'll talk to his mum. Then I'll get a <laughs> shit. <laughs> He does seem very terrified of his mum for an yeah. adult man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, mate. If you've met his mum, you'll understand. You'll be terrified of his mum too. <laughs> She's lovely, but she won't take any shit. You better believe it. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, that, that's probably uh, how he ended up successful. Um, behind every successful person is a very good mum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 100%, I reckon. My mum's visiting at the moment, so I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. That was really, really fun. No worries. Thanks for the chat. I will release us, seeing as how I am the host of this podcast. I mean, it literally changes nothing, but I do like to be in charge. (laughs) I can tell. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Peter, have a good one. Look after yourself. You too. See ya. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.